Happy Independence Day, by the way. So, um, and so I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, and uh, in particular, we're blessed in this chapel to have as many families as we do, uh, for as small as we are, and as many children as we have. And, um, having raised children, I know that's not an easy task. Um, Valerie and I like to think that we're still trying to raise them, but indirectly. <laughs> uh, but we realize that as they've gone older and gotten married, that um, we no longer have control over them, and that's a very hard thing for empty nesters to realize. So, um, and um, but I do have a burden for our kids and our families, um, especially as we live in today's world. Um, it just seems it's it, it's an interesting thing getting older. Um, you just have a, a, a lot longer period of time to reflect back on and to observe observe change. And uh, you can remember back what it was like when you were young and how you were raised and what school was like and what your friends were like and, and all those things. And then, of course, to uh, c- compare and contrast that to the way things are today, um, just really, um, I mean, it concerns me uh, nonetheless. And uh, it's, um, you know, um, which is why I think we need to continue to pray for our families and our children. And I think back to this, um, you know, in a similar way um, to what our founding fathers uh, experienced. And I'll, I'll go to this here. These are at least, uh, let's see, three, seven of our founding fathers, and they're um, in order from clockwise, starting with George Washington at, at the top. And so if you go around, then these are the, the founding fathers of our country, uh, the men who um, really got together and put together the framework uh, for America. And, uh, of course, they and a group um, left England under uh, uh, the auspices of separating from the Church of England so that they could worship um, according to the scriptures uh, here in this new land. And, of course, that didn't come without a lot of uh, turmoil and, uh, um, and war and uh, bloodshed. And um, anyway, there was, uh, you know, um, and a lot of persecution at the same time. And, of course, um, they uh, see, I think it was, well, depending on how you look at it, Leif Erikson uh, was, you know, discovered North America back in the, you know, 1000 A.D. Apparently he kept it a very close secret um, because it wasn't until 1492, as we know, the rhyme goes, that uh, Columbus uh, discovered North America. Um, and then it wasn't until about, I think it was 1860, that the uh, um, Mayflower landed, landed on Plymouth Rock. So there was a period of time even between uh, the discovery of this country um, until it was actually settled and the colonists came and, and then from there, of course, expanded to the 13 colonies. And then, uh, um, or excuse me, not 1860, 1680 is when, yeah, I said that backwards. Uh, 1680 is when the Mayflower landed on Plymouth Rock. And so 1776, so nearly 100 years later, uh, we get to the Declaration of Independence, uh, where through various things, namely taxation without representation um, and other, um, you know, British rule led a group of people to form the Declaration of Independence. And this is the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it goes on from there. 
And then, of course, the declaration of you. Has anybody seen the actual declaration in Washington, D.C.? Uh, Darren, you, yeah. So it's quite an impressive thing. Uh, of course, they have it all in these big glass protected things across in a big giant room. And, um, anyway, it's so, it's an amazing thing how they've preserved that all these years. And of course, uh, these men in particular who got together to form this, um, really, again, set the framework of the country so that it could be held for generations to come. And that these, uh, words were written on these pages, uh, that they might, um, again, be a, um, a foundation uh, for our country. And then shortly, not too long after that, 1787, um, the another group of people, six of which were the original signers, uh, or of six of which were also signers of the Declaration, um, developed the Constitution of the United States in order to uh, bring more cohesiveness and unity amongst the states. And uh, then they, and this is the preamble to the Constitution. We, the pre- people of the United States, in order to more form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general wef- welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. And you hear um, um, stories today, you know, of course, of you know, rewriting the Constitution, or of course there's been many amendments to the Constitution since then, and um, the, uh, you know, so, you know, again, the principles under which our nation has been founded are still under attack even to this day, some 240-some years later, um, after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So, um, so anyway, that has always been um, a source of contention and um, kind of which leads me to kind of where we are today. So, of course, democracy isn't, you know, perfect. Our country isn't perfect. We have definitely our, our black marks. And, um, and Winston Churchill gave this quote in 1947, many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms of government that have been tried from time to time. (laughs) So, uh, famous Winston Churchill quote, and I think it's pretty appropriate, at least I believe it is. So, uh, which leads me to kind of where we are today. So, um, I'm thinking kind of to put this down into our terms as believers and uh, 21st century America, where do we stand? Um, what do our, you know, if we were to kind of draft a, a, uh, a document, a similar document for ourselves, um, what are the principles or the objectives or the truths that we would write down um, and that we would want to pass on to our children? And so that's kind of where I want to focus on today as we look uh, through the scriptures to kind of guide and lead us uh, toward those toward those truths to those to those objectives and so let's just uh, pray heavenly father we thank you this morning for your for your truth for your word um, and we thank you dear god um, for this time we have this morning uh, just thank you again that you've given us your word that we can know you and uh, know what you require of us that in it our comfort and hope um, that we just can know the savior and we just pray now that you would guide our our thoughts and our hearts as we as we study it in Christ's name we pray amen and so what I want to do today is kind of lead you down this path uh, of course um, identify the problem uh, then we'll 
talk about the solution. We'll look at 1 Timothy 4 uh, for that and spend most of our time in there with a few sidetracks as we go through various things. And then uh, ultimately, my goal is that uh, we hold to this Hebrews 10 verse where we stimulate one another to love and good deeds and to encourage one another. So that's really what I want uh, to have happen today. So um, so anyway, first, uh, this is the problem. So, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, uh, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. And, of course, this was written, you know, some, what, 2,000 years ago-ish, and um, and I think as we look at today's society, um, you know, we definitely see uh, that these things are happening and probably have been happening for quite some time. Um, and yet I see this, you know, as the days grow darker, um, I think that's the warning for us that we have in Scripture. And I think we need to pay attention to that um, in order to keep ourselves unstained uh, from the world. And you think about it, and in fact, I was just going to kind of look at, um, and I just, I brought my phone up here for this purpose, uh, but just, you know, it, you, it doesn't take much. You can look at today's headlines uh, just to see some of these things um, that are happening. Um, there was one, let's see, here's one. I'm just looking at the headlines. Uh, World War II vet breaks down, says America is no longer the country we fought for. Um, Let's see, um, here's a one about worker disappears after accidentally overpaid 330 times his salary. So lovers of money, he took the money and ran. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sure he'll be caught sooner or later, but he's probably, um, you know, not, not thinking about that now. Um, there was a headline here, let's see, uh, I saw this earlier where a, a pop singer, Pink, said that anybody who supports the recent Supreme Court ruling uh, shouldn't listen to her music anymore. So anyway, so it, it, we're at a time in this world where, um, you know, we're calling good evil and evil good. And uh, who knows how long it's been there, but it's definitely, I think, becoming more and more um, part of our society. And it makes me, again, kind of go back and, and feel and, and worry to the extent that I know we need to pray for our children. So we just continue to need to pray for that and to continue to be bold with the gospel. So um, so let's uh, go to the solution. And for the solution, you know, I could have picked, um, you know, there are lots of different scriptures I could have started with um, you know, or I could, you know, point toward. But I, I like this passage in 1 Timothy 4, um, and particularly from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. But I'm going to read the whole chapter for context and... Um, and then we'll spend most of our time, well, a good part of our time in verse 12 and then uh, through the end of the chapter. So but just for context, I thought I'd read um, the other verses as well in 1 Timothy 4. But the, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, again, latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. 
by means of hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared and by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. But for bodily, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance for it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. I think some of your versions may have the word spirit in here, which I've uh, typed into the uh, text on the screen. Um, so faith, or excuse me, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example to those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. And so that's uh, uh, kind of the the solution uh, that we have, I think, for today's ills. And I want to so we'll spend more time on some specifics uh, with these. So and as far as uh, kind of uh, as we look to take care of our own spiritual life. Uh, so that we can be, as the scripture, as the uh, chapter started out by saying, um, but then latter times some will fall away. So we're doing these things in this verse so that we don't fall away uh, from the gospel, from the faith. That's common these days. I think we all know somebody who has professed to be a Christian, might have even stood up here and delivered a message, uh, but yet has fallen away from the faith and renounced their faith and now has nothing to do. Uh, with God. And, uh, and again, I think the warning that we have in scripture is that we need to take heed for ourselves. Uh, as we see in verse 16, pay, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. So that's what we want to kind of look at more today. So let's start, um, by going back to verse 12. And so again, we'll spend a good amount of our time here in verse 12 and we're going to examine speech, conduct, Love, spirit, faith, and purity, and then we'll discuss uh, the last, the other verses uh, through the end of the chapter. And so, the first one I want to talk about here is speech. And so, you might be asking yourself, "Well, this verse seems to be doing dealing with prayer." <laughs> well, it's interesting to me. I kind of selected this verse, and again, I could have picked uh, a number of different scriptures to plug in under this particular topic. Uh, but I like this one because it kind of connects prayer to speech. 
And I think it all starts with that, on, on the fact that we need to devote ourselves to prayer. It says Colossians 4.2 is my uh, kind of proof text for this particular topic. Um, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And so it's interesting to me how we start with prayer. Paul asked for the Colossians to pray for him while he was in prison, that he may say the right thing uh, to those uh, who were imprisoned with him and around him. Um, it's interesting to me, I'll just point this out, and um, I'm sure others have as well, but Paul did not ask to be released from prison, <laughs> um, that he asked for how he could speak to others and, uh, and that he would have the right things to say in verse 4, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And, you know, I'm sure there were different types of people, different type of prisoners in prison with Paul. I'm sure many of them were there, um, if not all of them, justly for what they have done. Uh, some of them for probably very bad things, and yet each of them were different. And so Paul is asking again for prayer that he may speak to them um, in the right way. And then he gives us this instruction here, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And, you know, from time to time, we'll we'll encounter various people, whether we're in the workplace or just out uh, shopping or or wherever we are, and um, that are uh, that we're to conduct ourselves with wisdom, that we're to, um, you know, think about these people and whom we're talking to. And in verse 6, he says, let your speech always be with grace, uh, that our speech, as it, and I take this, you know, of course, there are some people who kind of browbeat the gospel um, against people. Uh, I don't think that's very effective, but... Um, uh, but it says, be, always be with grace, that you're to talk to these people. Um, I think you'll see as the, you know, you can go back and look in the scriptures, has the Lord, uh, talked to these people? And then it says, it's seasoned with salt. Um, there are, um, you know, that, that salt piece, um, has been described as maybe something being a little of flair, you know, of not just being boring about your speech or something, but giving them a, an exhortation or a something to think about or a parting thought. Um, is the is the thought with the being seasoned with salt so that you will know how to respond to each person. And again, I think we as we think about this, um, we think about this, um, our speech and our prayer. And I think what prayer does um, is aligns our not only our thoughts, but also our speech uh, with how we should speak to one another and also speak to the lost. Um, by prayer, um, we align our wants and desires with what God wants us to do. I think especially in corporate prayer, when we get together and our practice here is that we gather on Wednesday nights, uh, that we pray together, that we all have various prayer. We have a prayer request up on the board that we're praying for the same thing. And I think God is pleased. You know, we have that verse where two or more are gathered. There he is in the midst. Uh, but I think God is pleased when a group of body comes together to pray for the same thing and that we align ourselves with him for a common purpose. And so just the, I think the, not only the importance of personal prayer, uh, but the importance I think we need to have in passing down to our kids of, of that corporate prayer too. 
Um, on the other hand, I think we, we shouldn't deceive ourselves. And, um, and um, maybe I'll point a finger here, but, you know, when you point a finger, there are some pointing back at you. So, again, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but we shouldn't be deceiving ourselves if we decide to kind of zoom into prayer meeting and loosely be paying attention um, while we're not, you know, while, and thinking that we're praying at the same time. I think when we're praying, you need to be focused in and aligned with God, and your thoughts and mind should be on the Lord. Um, it makes it, technology makes it convenient today to join by these things, and, and we're definitely thankful to have that, and we'll continue to have that, and there's many benefits to that. Uh, but let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that uh, we can. And, and it's easy, just as easy to sit here in person and have your thoughts wander as it is to, like, be at home in your living room and on Zoom and have your thoughts wander. So it's not just not, um, I'm not condemning Zoom in any way, but I'm just saying we need to be in the presence of the Lord uh, when that time is for prayer. And then the other thought on prayer is that time that um, do your kids, if we're talking about passing this down, do your kids see you pray? Uh, do you pray with your children? Have you taught them how to pray? Uh, do they know um, the difference between praying audibly, uh, as we do here on Wednesday nights, and the difference between praying silently to themselves? And mothers, are you teaching your daughters uh, the importance, though not audible, that it's just as important for them to be in prayer uh, for those things that are being prayed audibly um, as well as we practice uh, in this meeting. And that uh, when the time is right, then those daughters also and those mothers can pray together and encourage one another um, in that regard too. So um, we want to make a distinction that, you know, the or a, make it clear that, you know, um, Personally, I don't think that, you know, there's no difference between an audible prayer and a prayer made in silence that God hears both those prayers. In fact, uh, many times, and I think you probably know me, I, I don't pray audibly. Every, I don't feel the need to um, necessarily. Um, but when this, you know, when I feel like I have something to, to offer, then I will. But I think, you know, just because I'm not praying audibly doesn't mean the Lord's not hearing me either. So. Um, so I think those are, that's the first thing that we need to be passing down uh, in order to keep ourselves um, unstained from the world and from falling away uh, from the faith. Next, let's look at conduct. And my proof text for conduct is just the next uh, book over in 2 Timothy 3. And so, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in these things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I like this verse in here particularly because it talks about you've learned these from childhood, meaning that the the implication or the is that um, they've been taught in childhood. And so as such... Those of us with young people should be teaching these things uh, while our kids are young. Um, it says, continue in these things you have learned and become convinced of. So we have learned these from a young age, and it says that you have known the sacred writings. Well, the sacred writings um, at Timothy's time were primarily the Old Testament uh, documents. A few, I think there were some early New Testament documents around that time too, but definitely um, these were the sacred writings uh, in which Timothy uh, was exhorted uh, to know and understand. 
and to remember that they give him wisdom. Um, and as such, the um, um, Timothy, so that that's my next point. So we have prayer and speech. Can I connect in the first point? The second point is here that we know the scriptures. And again, the, um, the question is, um, are we teaching our children to know the scriptures? Um, we do that a lot through Sunday school. Uh, teach them various Bible stories and uh, lessons and uh, all the Old Testament stories and, and New Testament stories. Um, they learn that a lot at camp. Uh, they go and memorize scripture and, and are rewarded for doing so. Um, I love the scripture songs, especially I think KBC in particular is held to this tradition. I know that uh, it's probably sooner does too, though I haven't been there for a while, but um, but the scripture songs, I think, that are invaluable to ingraining in our children uh, those words. Uh, but yet at the same time, to have the, teach the scriptures to our children at the breakfast table or at the dinner table or wherever that might be, uh, that they would know the scriptures and continue in the things uh, that they have learned and become convinced of when they grow older. Um, it's often, I, th- I forget the stat here, uh, it's a, I should have had this uh, uh, written down, uh, but there is a big um, number, a large number of young people who, when they go off in particular to college, who are bombarded by all the secular teaching that happens at a school, a, you know, a state school in particular, or, you know, a non-Christian school, I'll just say, um, and who uh, peck away at what those kids have learned and been taught from their youth. And I think to the extent that that has not been as great um, is the um, greater chance that those kids will fall away and forget and question uh, their Christian heritage. And so I think it's important for us to remember that, that our kids know and understand the scriptures. We, I know on my, um, my and who um, uh, Noah, I think was my last helper, co-teacher. Uh, Kevin's been involved in the past, but when we teach the junior high and Sunday school kids, we try to um, instill in them, we, I've been trying to kind of go back and forth between a doctrinal topic and a um, Christian living topic, and so that they can understand both doctrine and what it means to live for Christ. Um, we had just finished up with Revelation after, a, what, take us two years, I think, Noah, or roughly to get through that. COVID was in the middle of all that, uh, which is why you haven't seen me up here in a long time, because it's, I can't do that and preach a message uh, in the same at the same time. I'm just not that talented. So, um, But anyway... Um, so, but it's important for our kids to understand uh, the scriptures, uh, so that they will have that when they leave the house, and then are are um, confronted uh, and challenged for what they believe. And we can do our, we you know, we can do as a as a chapel what we can to influence that. But ultimately, it's what you do in your homes uh, that's going to make that stand and stick. Uh, next, we have love, and of course, I can't talk much about love without referring back to the love chapter. And so, um, and again, I, I think if I were to organize these in order of importance, I would probably make this topic number one, because you can see, um, and I'll just read the, the scriptures below here, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And so you can see here, without love, everything else that we do is pointless. 
Um, we can, um, you know, teach our kids the scripture and teach them to pray, but yet be unloving towards them and they won't hear a word we're saying. Um, we can come to somebody and exhort them for, I don't know, whatever reason or, um, you know, however, whatever that might be. Uh, but if I do it in an unloving way, I've just been a clanging symbol in their ears. And we can have all the faith in the world, as it says here, the faith to move mountains. And it seems like, you know, if you had faith that much, then you would also have be good at love as well. Uh, but if you have all faith and all knowledge so that you could even remove a mountain, but you don't have love, then all of that's useless as well. And so the point here is that we need to teach our kids and we need to love our children. Um, how do we do that? How do we love our children? Well, that would be a topic in and of itself. Uh, maybe a weekend series, I imagine. It would take so long to go through that, but there are lots of uh, ways in Scripture. I think most importantly, and again, um, we've tried to do this in our family, um, not always successful, but um, the due to the, namely due to their uh, failing father, but um, is to that I can show my children, I can teach my children to love by my love for, the, for my wife. And... Uh, You have to hide. I can't look at you anymore. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then her love for me too. Um, we've made it a point also to, um, never, um, we tried to never when our kids were little, um, to never c- criticize uh, somebody in the meeting in front of them, um, or, or message. So we talk about the message and kind of what we got out of it. And on our way home, we had about a 30 minute ride home, uh, for most of the growing up. Well, I guess the part of Wisconsin was really short, but, um, when we, you know, around the lunch table and stuff, but, um, we never wanted to criticize, um, a speaker or a topic because somebody ultimately got something out of that. So it might not have been us. Um, but again, and we, and maybe they, maybe they did and we wouldn't want to quench that at all. Uh, but there are just a few little things like that. There's many others, uh, but those are just a few I'll mention is uh, to show love uh, to your children. And, of course, the positive side of this verse is love is patient, kind, not jealous, does, is not, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecoming, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account wrong suffered, uh, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So um, we also wanted to make sure that when we uh, disciplined our children that we never did it in anger. There were there were plenty of times, um, I'll, and I'll mention this more later, but um, where, you know, your kids frustrate you. <laughs> you're frustrated. Uh, they're not doing what you want them to do. Maybe you're being embarrassed. Um, for whatever reason, um, and there were many times where we would send them up to the room and, and we would have to take a minute <laughs> to cool off <laughs> ourselves because we didn't want to go up there and just start uh, disciplining our kids in anger because that's not teaching them uh, the right thing. Um, and so that's, um, you know, just a little practical thing on that. But um, there are other ways, again, to do this and, you know, many, uh, many other, um, you know, examples and practical things and all of that, but for the sake of time, um, we'll just, we'll just stick with that for now, I guess. So, um, next is spirit. And again, I think a lot of versions uh, don't have this word spirit. I think the King James does 
Of course, the New King James would, but I'm not sure the other modern translations would include spirit. But I wanted to include this um, uh, this uh, idea of spirit uh, because I think it's unique to us here in this meeting. Um, maybe not unique. Maybe that's being a little bit arrogant in saying that, but um, definitely rare on um, what we do here. And so, and again, we have, uh, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole verse here, but this is the scene uh, between Christ and the uh, Samaritan woman on uh, worshiping. And where the uh, woman believed, you know, she said, her father's taught us to worship in Jerusalem, where the temple was. That's where you go to worship. And and then uh, and then Jesus said to her in verse 23, but an hour is coming and now is when true wor- worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the point I wanted to make on this is that worship meeting, the meeting that we just had and the importance of that meeting. Um, we we hold that meeting separate because, you know, we have the command in Scripture that we've become, we're not only uh, royal priests, uh, but we're, um, I forgot the word, I probably should, um, royal and what's the other one? Somebody help me out. Holy, Holy priest, thank you. Holy priests. So the idea there is the royal priest is the ministry we have uh, to each other uh, as kind of you would think of a king ministering to his subjects. And this holy priest, as we heard about in that first meeting, is where we offer our spiritual sacrifice up to the Lord. And that's why we separate out that first meeting and we call it our worship meeting or our remembrance meeting. It goes by different names. Um, but that time and that meeting is where we offer up our praise and thanksgiving to God. Um, as I um, raised our sons, um, there were a couple practical things that I would tell them as they kind of got older and kind of wanted to, you know, maybe participate more or ask questions about what was going on. And th- my first one was, what you say in that meeting, you would say as if nobody else were there. So because you're not talking to anybody else in this room, you're talking to God. Whether you give a hymn, whether you pray, uh, whether you um, read uh, or expound upon a scripture, what you say in that meeting doesn't matter if anybody else is in the room because, again, you're talking to the Lord. Um, and second is uh, that that meeting is not a my favorite hymn hour. Um, there were times um, when my and we always, um, when our sons were young, uh, I, for a period of time, I would have them uh, let me know if they wanted to give out a hymn uh, to let me know what that hymn was so that then I could determine, well, are you just singing your favorite hymn because you want to hear it? Or are you paying attention in that meeting and listening and following the Spirit of God and, and discerning uh, the you know how the Spirit is moving in that meeting? And is that hymn, so, and it didn't have to be you know 100% directly related, but is that hymn, um, flow along with the spirit of that meeting as we're guided by the spirit during that time. And, you know, we have the separate books in front of us, the red and the black book. And, of course, there's some crossover between the two. But primarily that black book is the one that's used in that first meeting because those are the hymns that are primarily um, focused on God and not focused on us. Again, we're not uh, sticklers on that. Um, you know, it's it's not forbidden to give a hymn out of the red book. I've done it many times. Uh, but I think it's something we need to pay attention to, is that are we ministering to the Lord or are we ministering to each other uh, during that time? And we hear, we have this scene here where it says, where Christ says, well, worship, true worshipers will worship the Father 
in spirit and truth. And again, um, we're to come to that meeting prepared to worship the holy God. Um, you know, that, that just, I was thinking as I read through that, um, part in Exodus this morning, um, about just how elaborate the, the priest's robes were and how that was to reflect the glory of God. And, and yet, you know, um, I'm not standing up here with any jewels on. Um, you know, and, uh, but yet, and, or we weren't sitting there a minute ago, and yet we can still come before the throne of God because Christ has worn those robes for us. He wears that mitre that says, holy to God in front of it for us. So it's not that we have that on ourselves, but we come and access, uh, into the, or enter to the presence of God through Him. And, and as such, we need to, when we come prepared for that meeting, uh, we need to be teaching our kids um, how to worship. They need to understand what's going on during that time, both our daughters and our sons uh, during that time. Of course, it seems like when you're, I know when your kids are little, you're just trying to not be a big distraction. And, you know, when they do, they're taken out back. And when they're old enough to understand, maybe they're taken out back and disciplined. Um, <laughs> um, I think I've broken um, in our old building when we were there, when our kids were little, a few spatulas or wooden spoons on our kids' backsides. But um, anyway, there's a, you need to teach them uh, for that time to worship the Lord and what it means and the, and the idea that they're there uh, to be a, a part of that, whether they understand it or not. Um, Valerie, when our kids were little, would set our kids down uh, during uh, the weekday and have them be quiet for an hour and play quietly by themselves so that when they come into a meeting like this, to sit quietly for an hour wasn't unusual. Uh, because, you know, for any little kid, it's hard to sit quiet for an hour. So, um, and so that was good practice, I think, that she did for them so that they would get used to that idea. And, um, and then again, as they got older and learned more, we wanted to make sure that they were participating, um, in that meeting by, you know, paying attention, maybe taking notes. Um, and as I mentioned with, uh, Cole and Luke that, you know, they were, um, you know, that their thoughts and their hymns that they were giving out were in line with, with what was being shared. But I think in the same way, we as adults need to come prepared for that meeting too. Uh, that it's not a random, um, thing that we come and, and just, uh, you know, uh, you might have had something prepared, which is great. Uh, but that we need to make sure that we're, our hearts are ready to worship and enter the presence of God, uh, during that time. Um, next is faith. And so, if, and I love this verse here in 2 Timothy 1. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And, you know, it's been said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I think you see this here in Timothy, um, that he learned his faith through his grandmother and through his mother, Eunice. And so um, how, how great is that for Lois and Eunice to have their names written down in the scriptures forever? Uh, for an example, I, I doubt that uh, when Lois and Eunice were sharing the scriptures with Timothy or were praying with Timothy or or were teaching him that they had any idea that their names would be recorded in God's holy word. And so Paul reminds Timothy of that. I think Nick mentioned that this morning, that Tim, Timothy is kind of, uh, was maybe being a little bit timid in his ministry. 
um, wasn't uh, maybe was being a little um, less than confident than he should have been. And uh, so Paul is reminding him um, of what he's learned from his grandmother and his mother um, and to kindle afresh the gift of God. And I think that's important to us, too, especially those of us who have been saved for a while. I think, um, you know, we run into the um, air of things becoming commonplace and things maybe growing stale. I know I've definitely felt that in my life. And um, I think we need to be reminded to kindle afresh uh, the gift of God. And uh, and then Paul gives this encouragement, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. And I think in particular that word discipline, it's not the word discipline as in correction, but that word discipline where you uh, discipline yourself like you're training to run a marathon or training for a particular thing that you, um, you know, it takes discipline to be in the word of God and it takes discipline to be in prayer before the Lord because of all the other distractions that happen in the, in the time commitments around us. But if we discipline ourselves, um, then we can be sure that we will keep our faith, you know, uh, or can keep our faith fresh, um, and that, we, um, and that we keep ourselves from falling away, uh, from the faith. And next is purity. So um, older men are to be temper. So this is the instruction we have in Titus 2. And again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we have the instruction to older men, uh, temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, love, and perseverance. Um, older women are to be likewise reverent in their behavior, not gossips, enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, um, so that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, uh, being subject to their own households so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Um, so there's lots of things, lots of good outcomes here um, as the women teach their daughters um, and encourage them uh, to live for the Lord. I think it's in particular the thing that I wanted to kind of point out here and maybe um, harp on a little bit is this idea of being pure. Um, again, it's, I, th- I think this is a, an outcome of today's day and age. We definitely see that, um, in the, you know, um, mainstream movies and TV and magazines and all these things. And again, kind of going back to my old age, you know, things that were, um, you know, um, maybe on the edge then when I was young are way over the top now. It just it just gets worse and worse and worse from a purity standpoint. Obviously, the Internet has made that more prevalent. And I think as we think about this, you know, of course, it's not just our daughters who need to learn and know what it means to be pure and modest. We, of course, the mothers need to teach them that and why it's, you know, they don't need to follow the world's advice on that. But also our sons need to be taught uh, what it means to be pure. And it's definitely, and pornography is a big issue uh, these days because that's everywhere and it's easy accessible and nobody ever needs to know about it. Um, and so we need to be uh, cognizant of the fact that, um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell this story. Um, and this goes back a number of years ago. This was probably 20 some years ago when I was counseling at Sooner Bible Camp. And, um, you know, some of the kids in my cabin were um, raised in Christian homes um, and some were, uh, and, and some of those kids, uh, either went to public school and some went to, uh, private school and, and some were homeschooled. But yet the kids all had this in common and that they knew the world. They knew pornography. Um, they, I was famous for going to bed early 
and still am. Um, I can sleep anywhere, so I think that's one of my spiritual gifts. Um, <laughs> but uh, these kids thought, of course, I'm a light. The other thing they didn't know, I'd, I'd go to bed early while these kids were still up, uh, but the thing they didn't know is I was a light sleeper, so I'd hear their conversations while they thought I was off into the you know, Netherlands. Um, and to hear them talk about, not not that they... But the things that they knew from friends, uh, one in one aspect or another in most regards, and, and the things that they had seen because their friends had exposed them to these things. So your kids uh, may not be experiencing that, you know, this thing in and of themselves, but they may have friends who've exposed them. So we need to be aware of that and just be mindful of that and be open to talking to them and, 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 and helping them to know um, how to deal with it. Um, let's see. I think I skipped forward here. Um, the other thing I'll say in this, uh, uh, and it says, Likewise, in verse 6, urge the young men to be sensible and all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is above reproach. Um, the young men are, are encouraged in this verse to be pure in doctrine, pure in teaching. Doctrine is a has that form or that uh uh, meaning of teaching and that they should understand that. And I think we need to understand that too as our, as our young men here need to be pure in their doctrine, in their teaching, um, and to be studied up on that. It's, um, I think, uh, I think Ken Keen mentioned this on uh, Wednesday night as he prayed for me in my message today that, um, of course, as you study the word, um, you're encouraged in the, in the study Probably, I'm probably getting more out of this than you are, I'm sure, <laughs> and, and have actually. So, um, but yeah, that's one of the great outcomes of being studied up in the Word of God and, and, uh, that we should make sure our young men are studied up, uh, in the Word of God, that they're pure in doctrine. And we try to make avenues for that as much as we can. Um, we, we probably, I think, uh, if anybody sees Pete walking toward them in the middle of the meeting, uh, I think a lot of our young men might run away. Um, but Pete is very good about um, asking people to speak and to, um, you know, and to stay on them, you know, not on a hounding sort of a way, but uh, just to an, an encouragement sort of way. And I think whether you do it from the podium here or maybe whether you do it from uh, on a Wednesday evening for 10 or so minutes or whether you do it during the worship meeting, um, I think the young men, we should all have our times of uh, being studied up, and it's just an outflow of the um, salvation that you have within you. You should be, I know it's an intimidating thing um, in order to share during the worship meeting. Um, I'll um, share this story. I was um, newly saved when I met Valerie, and um, of course she had a chapel in her house. Um, you know, they, they didn't go to a church. They had it right there in their living room, and there were all but two other men, her dad being one of those, in that room, and um, there's me. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea really what was going on. I wasn't familiar with this way of um, of uh, meeting. And uh, But yet I knew then, and I, I don't think I ever did stand up in your house meeting, but I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to do it just because I felt like I had to. Uh, but I was going to do it, I, you know, when I felt like God really wanted me to. And I think we need to be careful that even now I don't always share and not that I'm the example that anybody needs to follow, but I'm just telling you my own personal thoughts. Um, you know, I don't want, I want to see if the Lord moves and somebody new. I love it 
uh, when we're here on uh, Sunday mornings in the worship meeting and somebody stands up to share whatever it is, a hymn, a prayer, um, or an, uh, something else. Uh, and that's the first time, at least the first time maybe that I've heard them do it. And uh, I just love to hear that. And so I, I don't mind the pauses uh, during those meetings because I feel like during those pauses, God is working on the hearts of somebody to share. And, and maybe that person just needs a little bit longer before they feel like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I'll, I'll wait. And I often, and there are times where I don't at all, um, and I enjoy, you know, hearing uh, what everybody else, that meeting is nothing but boring for me. I love to hear uh, what's going on during that time. Um, all right, so let's get on with the rest of the verse, and then we'll and we'll close here in a few minutes. So, or the, the rest of the chapter. <laughs> so the rest of the chapter goes like this. So in verse thirteen of First Timothy four, Paul uh, tells Timothy this: "Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine." Again, we've covered those things uh, to understand, you know, to being studied up, to read the scriptures, um, to exhortation, which is a form of speech and encouragement. Uh, to one another, and then again to doctrine, to teaching, to, to, to knowing the scriptures, to be able to part the truth of the scriptures uh, to somebody else. And a, again, a proof text for this verse is in 1 Corinthians 14. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all, be, all things be done for edification. And it's interesting as we exercise our spiritual gifts and as we come, um, and this is a kind of a, a, uh, a pattern for what we do during the worship meeting. We're to come with a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, again, the interpretation, um, you know, an explanation of that. But all things are to be done for edification. Everything is to be done uh, for the edification, not to show how much I know or maybe what I learned or, or something like that, but that it would edify uh, you, as many of you as, as, as possible. And that, again, is the kind of the, the pretext uh, for our worship meeting. And then in verse 14, he tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with a laying on of the hands of the eldership. And so, again, uh, back in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Um, and so my point on this one is that um, I think this is another unique or maybe rare thing about our meeting is that this being one being small, but two, we're to exercise our spiritual gifts for the edification of one another. Uh, my gift isn't the same as yours. Uh, you may be good at something that I'm not and vice versa. And we all work together. Uh, we're all part of that same body. And we, you can kind of go back to that verse about the teaching of the body and you know, the, we aren't all eyes and we all aren't all hands and that sort of thing, but we all perform a, a different function for the benefit of the whole body being used together. And I think it takes um, as many of us as are willing to focus in on that uh, and working toward that body so that that body is healthy. Uh, there's many activities that are being done, uh, many outreaches that are being planned. Um, you know, many, um, you know, I, I think of the... Uh, uh, vacation Bible school coming up, the five day clubs, the, you know, the, um, I think, uh, Holly's going out with Joanna this weekend, um, all these different things. And it takes the body working together to accomplish those things and, uh, to put those things together. And so we are all to exercise our spiritual gifts. And so the question I would ask here is, are you able to exercise your spiritual gift? 
Uh, do you feel, uh, and maybe you don't know what it is, and, and maybe you need a little bit more discovery on that, um, but, and if you, if you need help with that, um, ask somebody for help. Um, if you don't feel like you have opportunity for that, ask one of the elders how you might be able to exercise your spirit. There's, there's things that we could probably be doing that Pete or Carl or Steve and I have no idea uh, that could be done. <laughs> um, but yet, if you were to come to us and with this idea, we would be, I'm sure, um, all for it. So, um, but we want to practice and make sure we're exercising our spiritual gifts in that regard. And then finally, um, and here in verse 15, he says, meditate on these things, give yourselves entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. And, you know, um, the, my point on this one is that, um, is this idea of the progress may be evident to all. Um, our, our personal spiritual growth should be more than just personal. It should be evident to all. Um, we should be, you know, every time I speak, my message should get better the next time. Um, every time I pray, my prayer should be better the next time. Um, and so we should be seeing this growth in one another. We should be encouraging each other again, to grow in the Lord and to live uh, for the Lord. And uh, this proof text here is, Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is above reproach, so that your opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. And ultimately, I think that's it. You know, when we are confronted by the world for what we believe in, um, that our lives should be led in such a way that they have nothing bad to say against us. Um, if that's not the case, then we need to think about maybe cleaning some things up and uh, and maybe, you know, refining those rough edges uh, so that, um, again, the unsaved of the world would have nothing bad uh, to say against us. And so, and then in verse 16, he says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And this idea of, of saving both yourself it goes back to verse 1 about saving yourself from falling away. It's not like I'm saving myself to, you know, I can't, like, save myself for salvation, uh, but I can save myself from falling away from the faith. I can take that upon myself um, that I uh, can fall away or that I don't fall away from the faith. And then it says, and to those who hear you. And my first thought on this is, you know, when you board an airplane and they tell you about the oxygen mask, and what do they tell you to do first? They, you put it on yourself first, right? So that if you, so that then you can help the person next to you. And that's the idea here is that we take heed to ourselves to pay attention to these things, uh, that we make sure we are, our own spiritual life is in order so that then we could then help, uh, the person next to us. And to end on a, uh, kind of a, a positive note here and, and kind of, um, um, I have this uh, kind of this text here in Philippians 3, which says, Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You know, it's easy to live life in the flesh. Um, it's, 
I mean, it's the natural thing, right, that Paul had that war. Uh, he warred between the spirit and the flesh, and the thing that he wanted to do, he couldn't, and the thing that he um, didn't want to do, he did, and, and that's the war that's within us. And, uh, of course, which one wins is the which one that gets fed. And so we need to feed ourselves uh, in these things, um, in, the, in prayer and in understanding the Scriptures. And he says, not that I have already obtained it or already have become perfect, um, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the uh, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, the past is a, is a terrible thing. Um, I can relive the past like nobody else. <laughs> Um, I was, uh, when Steve Boucher called me on the way in this morning and saying, hey, did you uh, get the bread and the cup? Um, I thought about that all the way, the rest of the way here. Um, anyway, and so I had to forget my past failure when I got here this morning. Um, but we press on. Uh, we forget the past, give the past to the Lord, um, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward uh, to lies ahead. And uh, with that, we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning uh, for your word, and we thank you that you love us, uh, that you've taught us these things, that you've given us examples of Paul and Timothy and others in your word. And we thank you, O Lord, for those uh, mentors, those encouragers around us, uh, for our mothers and fathers, our husbands and wives, and our children, O Lord, who encourage us and, and help us. And we just thank you. Uh, just, Lord, for this body of believers here today. And uh, just thank you again, O oh Lord. We pray that we would continue to love one another, uh, that our hearts and minds would be united in serving one another as we serve, desire to seek and to serve uh, you. And, Lord, we just thank you uh, for your care over us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.